If you have your Bible this morning, I want to ask you to turn with me to the New Testament book of Romans, and we will be in chapter 12, Romans chapter 12. Beginning tomorrow, uh, we're going to have 21 days of an Easter devotion. We'll read a little bit every day in the Gospels. I'm going to teach a couple of points from the passage that we read. And then we've prepared a 3-2-1 Easter prayer guide that's customized for every day for the next 21 days. You'll see the details in the worship guide. There's a little advertisement on the bottom right here. And so I hope you'll look at those details. Go to the website, fbcnac.org Easter. And join me for 21 days of Easter devotion right through Easter Sunday morning. Now, every little boy, every little boy imagines uh, that one day when he grows up, he will score the winning touchdown. Or maybe he imagines that he will sink uh, the three-point shot that wins the tournament or hit the grand slam to win the series. And I'm sure girls have similar dreams and aspirations. That's a part of growing up. And as we get older, the details of those dreams generally change, but the core of the dream does not. As an adult, we dream of landing the perfect job. Uh, We dream of raising world changers and establishing a heritage that will will follow the Lord for generations. We we dream of leading some significant life-changing organization or maybe sitting behind the resolute desk or maybe you dream of being the next Lottie Moon or Billy Graham or Taylor Swift. I don't know. But we have dreams. Everyone wants to do something that matters. I just think that's part of how we've been created. I think that's part of what it means that we have an eternal perspective wired up into our souls. Now, with that in mind, let me give you some bad news and then some good news, okay? The bad news is most of what you will do, most of what we will accomplish will have little or no lasting consequence. People won't know, people won't remember, and people won't care. Now that's discouraging, but let me prove it to you. All of us have 16 great-great-grandparents, and we have 32 great-great-greats. Now you've probably not met any of those people, But those 50 people, they are your most immediate ancestors that you have not met. All of them were alive 75 years ago. But you couldn't today name 10% of those. And your children won't be able to name any of those. And you can't point today to one thing that is different because they lived their life except for the fact that they procreated, right? And your great-great-grandchildren and your great-great-greats will not know your name or anything about what you're working so hard to do today. The bad news is most of our lives from 
not just an eternal perspective, but even three generations, our lives won't count for much. Now, that's the bad news. Let me give you the good news. God calls us to a worldwide movement, something that will truly change the world, not for a couple of generations, but for eternity. God calls us, he equips us, he energizes us to do something that'll still be celebrated 100 million years from now. It's not something that may gain the temporal applause of man, but it will gain the eternal applause of heaven. And that calling, that mission is the church. Now, I know that people are skeptical because we hear about churches and church problems and churches on the rise and churches on the decline. But I want you to suspend your disbelief for a moment and just imagine that I am not at all exaggerating and let's talk about it. Now, I understand that everybody is busy. We've got a thousand things going on Some of you are thinking right now, Pastor, it sounds like you're about to give me something else I need to do or something else I need to feel guilty about because I'm not going to do and and I just can't handle anymore. Well, I understand, but listen, could it be that not only is our work through the church the only thing that's going to have eternal significance? But could it also be that our work through the church is something that doesn't add a burden to our life, but it's something that adds peace and rest to our lives? Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11. He says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. Jesus said that there is a work and he's talking about the work through the church. There is a work that you can do that doesn't make you tired, it gives you rest. So I want to start with scripture right here in Romans chapter 12. I want us to see what the scripture says and then pull together these different pieces and see if we can prove the point uh, that we have begun with. So let's begin reading chapter 12, verse 12. The Bible says, just as the body is one and has many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. What he tells us here in the beginning is that there's something different about the church. The church is not just a building. It's not a location. It's not a service. It's not a fan club. It's not even an organization. He says here that the church is the body of Christ. Now, we'll spend some time unpacking that this morning, but understand the church is the body of Christ. There's some mystery there. There's some importance there. Look at verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Now, he tells us here that there's only one way to be a part of the church, and that one way is to be saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ through one spirit. Now, if you've been here very often, you've heard this every time you've been here, I imagine. 
The Bible teaches us the truth that we are separated from God because of our sins. I am guilty of sin and my sin separates me from a holy God. And the Bible goes further and says, because I'm guilty of sin, I deserve death. Now that's hard for us to imagine, but we have to understand that God is the source of life. And so to be separated from the source of life equals death. It equals eternal death. That's the wages of my sin. That's what I am, I, I owe because of my sin. But Jesus came and he died on the cross. He paid the penalty for my sins so that I, if I trust that what he has done for me is enough and I ask him to be the Lord, I make him the Lord of my life. The Bible says I'll be a child of God. My sins will be forgiven. And that's how we become a part of the church. When we are in God's family, then we are in the church family. Now, another thing to notice here is that even in the beginning, the church was not limited to just one group of people. Look back at verse 13. He says, whether Jews or Greeks, their society really at that point was divided into two groups, the Jews and the Greeks, the Jews and the Gentiles. So he said the Jews or the Greeks, both are in the church. He says, whether slaves or free, all of us. And so the church, even from the beginning, was a, a mixture of all kinds of people. I know that some churches are better at reaching some groups of people than other groups of people. But listen, if a church ever begins to see itself as primarily one nationality or one race or one social class or one age group or one hobby, like a lot of churches today, then that organization ceases to be a church. It may be a fine religious organization, but a church is, a, is the body of Christ that's focused on reaching all people, all people. Now, let's continue to read. Verse 14, indeed, the body is not one part, but many. So he's going to push this analogy a little further. Look at this, verse 15. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, uh, it is not for that reason, any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It is not less for that reason. It is not for that reason uh, any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole uh, body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged each one of the parts in the body just as he wanted. And so he says the church, the body of Christ, that we have different forms and functions, our roles in the church, but we do not have different values. We are equal in value, though we have different functions. Now, I want to skip down to verse 21. It says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that are weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body that we consider less honorable, we clothe these with greater honor, and our unrespectable parts are treated with greater respect. And so that's just logical. Every part of my body is important. 
Uh, some parts of my body are more upfront than other parts, but even the parts that are behind the scenes, we treat with special care. Every part of our body is important. We'll see the significance of that in a moment, but let's go back to the premise. What I said at the beginning is that there's only one way to make your life count for eternity, and that is through the church. Investing our life in the church not only accomplishes something great, but it's the only real source of energy, peace, and rest. Okay, that's the premise. Now, let me see if I can prove that from the verses that we've read. So, principles of bodybuilding, there are three. Number one, the church is the body of Christ. And if you're looking at your outline in the worship guide, there's a little tagline there. In his sovereign plan, the Lord has chosen to work through his body, the church. Now, the Bible has about a dozen, more than a dozen, different metaphors for the church. Uh, and each of these tells us some great truth about the church. The Bible at one point calls the church the bride of Christ. And that reminds us how much Jesus loves the church. At, at one place, the Bible calls the church the pillar and the ground of the truth. And that reminds us that the church has the responsibility of proclaiming and heralding the truth of God. But here in Romans 12, the church is called the body of Christ. What does that mean? Well, the first thing it refers to is the fact that there is a difference between the body and the head. The Bible says in the book of Ephesians that Jesus is the head of the church. And we see here in Romans that, that the church is the body. So Jesus is the head of the body. Uh, we as the church, we are the body, the body of Christ. Now, how does the head accomplish what it wants to accomplish? How does the head do something? Well, the head tells the body what to do. And the body does it. And that's how the head accomplishes something. And so if my head wants this Bible to be lifted up, my head tells my arms and my hands and my fingers to lift it up. And my head lifts the Bible by working through my body. Now, Jesus is the head of the church. The church is the body of Christ. So how is it that Jesus accomplishes his work in our community? Well, primarily... He accomplishes it through his body, the church. I'm not suggesting that God doesn't at times do something supernatural, that God doesn't at times answer prayer in some uh, supernatural way. He does. But I'm telling you that most, the Bible teaches that most of what Jesus wants to do and most of what Jesus does do in our community, he does through his body, the church. Sometimes people will ask, why doesn't the church help more people? Sometimes people will ask, why is it the church solving some problem? Well, the answer is Jesus is waiting on his body. Jesus wants to solve those problems. He wants his body to solve those problems. He's instructed his body to solve those problems. But sometimes the body is AWOL. The body is AWOL. So back to the premise, there's only one way to make your life count for eternity, and that's through the church. Let me explain it this way. Everything in life, everything we do or accomplish 
falls in to one of two categories. One, it's temporary, and ultimately, the Bible says it'll be burned away. 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 13, there are things that we do, some of them we give our hearts to, and I'm not saying they have no importance, but from the perspective of eternity, they're lost. They're lost to history. But then there's a second category. That which is eternal, those things are done through the church. Uh, now, when you're working as part of the church, when the church shares the gospel, when it teaches, when it worships, when it strengthens families, then you are a part of something that'll last forever. When you attend, when you give, when you serve, you're doing something that will last an eternity. And so we see in this analogy that the church is the body of Christ, Jesus is the head, that Jesus wants to accomplish great things, but he wants to accomplish great things in Nacogdoches through his church, through me and through you, and the things that we do. Now the second, second part of this, every Christian has a critical role to play in the local body of Christ. And if you're looking at your worship guide, the little tagline there, in his sovereign plan, the Lord has gifted you for such a time and place as this. Now, he's going to take this idea, the body of Christ, the church is the body of Christ, Jesus is the head. He's going to push the analogy, as I said, just a little further. And what he, what he tells us is that each part of the local church, this church, we're talking about this church today. Each part of the local church, just like each part of your physical body, each part is essential. Each part is essential. Listen to what he says in verse 12 that we read just a moment ago. Just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. So my body, my physical body, there are a lot of parts. There's a hand, there's a foot, there's an eyeball. There are many parts, but there's just one body. Each of those parts is critical to the function of the whole body. Now the second thing we see here is that the parts of the church are divinely designed and ordered just like the parts of our body, divinely designed and ordered. There's a lot of uh, design in our bodies. If my eyeballs were on the bottoms of my feet, they wouldn't work nearly as well, right? If, if my hand was on top of my head instead of at the end of my arm, it wouldn't be as useful as it is. So you see that our bodies are designed by the Lord for maximum effectiveness and efficiency. So is the body of Christ. It is designed, it is organized uh, by the heart of God. Now, what does this mean for us? First, it means that the Lord has designed his church here to raise the banner of Christ in Nacogdoches, to minister to families, to teach the Bible, to worship the Lord. And so the Lord has determined all the parts that are needed to do that. And then God has gifted individual Christians to do all of those individual parts. And God has then brought those Christians here, set them in a pew, and called them to do his work. 
And God is the master designer of this. I, I, I thought I would just carry on the analogy that uh, the Lord uses here in Romans 12. So let me give you some information just about the body. I, uh, I Googled this. I'm not an expert at any of these things. But let me tell you about the nose, the fingers, and the pituitary gland, it, just in case you're wondering. So the nose. The nose is filled with super sensitive receptors that can instantly detect. Think about this. They can instantly detect and differentiate between hundreds of different chemicals, so small you can't see them, and those hundreds of chemicals can be arranged in, and I looked this up, over one trillion permutations, and your nose can instantly recognize the difference in those. You can tell the difference in one trillion different scents. That's the chemical laboratory that's right here on the front of your face. Isn't that amazing? Let me talk about the fingers. The fingers, 10 phalanges, articulated fingers, uh, they are, for most of us, strong enough that we can squeeze a bar and hold up our own body weight. Yet, those same fingers are so sensitive that they can feel a 13 nanometer bump. Do you know how big a nanometer is? There are one million nanometers in a millimeter. So take a millimeter, divide it a million times, stack 13 of those up, you can't see it, but your fingertips can feel it. They're that strong, that sensitive, and then so dexterous. I mean, you heard these musicians uh, play a moment ago, and the piano, and, and uh, the, all these, it's amazing what they can do uh, with, their, with their fingers. And then let me give you uh, one more, the pituitary gland, because I know you were just interested in that. It's a bump on the base of the brain the size of a chickpea. And this little chickpea is a pharmaceutical factory. Tiny little bump. It synthesizes eight different chemicals. ACTH, FSH, GH, LH, prolactin, TSH, ADH, and oxytocin. And if you don't know what those are, just ask one of our deacons can help you with that. But here's what Google says. Those eight chemicals that are synthesized by this chickpea, they control your growth rate, your blood pressure, your energy management, the functions of the sex organs, the thyroid glands, your metabolism, aspects of pregnancy, childbirth, breastfeeding, water and salt concentration in the kidneys, your temperature, and pain relief. Isn't that amazing? It is a pharmaceutical factory right on the base of your brain. Now, what's the point of all of that? Do you see how intricately designed the human body is? The church, the local church, same kind of design, same kind of intricate design. What does that mean for us? It means you are important to this church and to our mission. God has uniquely designed you and gifted you and you have the life experiences and you have the time and the energy and everything you need all has been has been so specifically and intricately designed so that you can do something important here
something important here. You know, sometimes people will point to the, to the weaknesses of the church, and there certainly are weaknesses in the church, and, and it's frustrating. I met with a church member just a couple of months ago, school teacher here, and she shared with me about a heartbreaking situation in a school. It's a dire situation. And she asked if the church could help. And you know what? She did the right thing. She came to the right place. And we met, our pastor team met, and we talked about it. And um, there's just nothing we can do. Uh, we don't have the people. We don't have the expertise. We don't have the time to add something to our plates. And it was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. Why can we not meet the obvious needs that are out there, needs that would have a spiritual solution if we could just engage with those? Well, I'll tell you why. Because we don't have a pituitary gland. Because we have, we're missing three fingers on our left hand. Uh, because we're one arm short. Because we just have one kidney. Because our eyeball keeps falling out and rolling away from the body. That's why we can't do all the things we want to do. Because we have missing body parts that God has intricately designed to work together as a system. Uh, you have a critical role to play here. You know, there are no backups on the bench for your role. Uh, our, our, we don't have a a too deep depth chart. Everybody's mission is critical. I want to show you a photo that uh, Jonathan, our media director, prepared. These are all the people, well, not all of them, uh, but most of the people who have joined our church this school year. And uh, we're so thankful. God has been so good to our church. But listen, we celebrate that picture but for every person you see in that photograph, there's another person, many of them here today. I'm going to put you on the spot. You need to join up in the place that God has designed you and given you the experiences and the gifts and the proclivities and the everything else you need to serve where we so desperately need you to fill your spot. You need to join these and join in with what God is doing, what God is doing here. So the second thing we see is that every Christian has a critical role to play in the body of Christ. But let me give you one third thing we see here. Interdependency is the strength of the church and the strength of the Christian. Now, here's something that may be new to you. It's not new, but you may have forgotten. My tagline is that in his sovereign plan, the Lord imparts strength through mutual dependence. Now, our focus verse here, and we didn't read this far a moment ago, but I'll read it now. Verse 21, Romans 12, 21, it says, The eye cannot say to the hand, I do not need you. Or again, the head cannot say to the feet, I do not need you. Not only... Not only is every part of our body critical, but listen, church, every part needs every other part, and every other part needs that part. The strength in our bodies is 100% because of the interdependability 
of the parts. Now, let me explain this because it's so important. Let's talk about the eyeball. What good is the eyeball? Well, the eyeball is no good at all. You pluck out your eyeball and put it on a table and it is worthless. It can't do anything. It can't see anything. It can't change anything. Your eyeball is worthless. Your eyeball only has value when it's depending upon the other parts of your body. I made a list. Uh, your eyeball needs blood and the nutrients in that blood that have come from your lungs and your intestines that has been cleaned by your liver and your kidneys and pumped by your heart. It needs that. Secondly, it needs nerves that go to the brain so that the brain can interpret the signals that come into your eye. It needs glands to secrete cleaning and lubricating fluids. It needs eyelids, eyebrows, and eyelashes to protect it. And it needs muscles to point it and an immune system to safeguard it. You see, your eye is worth nothing except when it is supported by all of these other body functions. That's the reason your eye has value is because of your blood and your brain and your eyebrows and that's what gives the eye value. Now, look at it the other way. The eye also gives value to the rest of the body. Uh, without the eye, the brain would lack some very important information. Without the eye, uh, the efficiency of your hands and your feet would be diminished. Without your eye, your safety and your protection uh, would be compromised. Without your eye, you would be unable to enjoy some of God's creation. And so the eye is valuable because it depends upon the rest of the body. And the rest of the body depends upon the eye. Does that make sense? So the same thing is true in the church. Our strength as a church comes from our diversity of people with diversity of gifts who have different backgrounds, who have different experiences and bring different things to the table. And then our church members, people in the family are strengthened, you're strengthened by depending upon the church. Sometimes people will ask me, pastor, can you be a Christian and not be a part of the church? Well, you can't be much of a Christian, okay? Can you be married and never see or talk to or live with your spouse? I suppose, but it wouldn't be much of a marriage, right? See, the Bible says that being a Christian is in major part being a part of the church the body of Christ, the body of Christ. You know, if you take a, if you have a fire in your grill, you got all those red hot coals and you reach in there with some tongs and you take one red hot coal and you set it off to the side, what happens? That coal goes out, the heat goes away. No, there, there is a heat that that coal will only have when it's a part of the other coals in in the fire. Now, let me read one more verse. Verse 26, Romans 12, 26. If one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. 
And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. So you see this here played out. When there is suffering, that suffering in the church is diffused among many, many people. And when there is honor, that honor is amplified because many people celebrate that. When you're a part of the body of Christ and you suffer, other people carry some of the burden of that suffering. And when you rejoice, other people celebrate with you. And so it diminishes our suffering. It amplifies our celebration. That's what the church does. And so it is our interdependency. The church needs the Christians. The Christians need the church. And when we miss a body part, that body part out there on its own is as worthless as an eyeball on the table. And the church loses its sight. All of us are critical, and our strength is that interdependence. I wish I had time to tell you stories of the difference between families that go through a crisis, families that are in the church, I mean in the church and go through a crisis, and families in the community that go through a crisis and they're not in the church. I'm telling you the suffering there's no comparison between the two. And that's what the Bible says. So let me wrap this up. I want to ask you to do three things. I think this scripture passage asks us to do three things. Join, join in, join up. Here they are. Join. We all need to be a part of the church. Our church, the mission here needs you. It needs every one of you. Don't think your part is insignificant. No. There's no backup for what God wants you to do here. You need to join. How do you join this church? You have to be a child of God. Put your faith and trust in what Christ has done for you. You have to be baptized uh, in the church. This church or a like-minded church, baptized by immersion. And you have to go through a new member class. We want you to know what it is that you're joining. So, listen, we'll worry about all those things down the road. Let's just start the process today. And so when this sermon is over and we're singing a song and there are ministers down here in the front, I'll be over preaching in the other room. I want you, if you're not a member of the church, but you want to be, take the first step, come down, shake somebody's hand and say, listen, there may be a lot of stuff we need to work out. You know, baptism, salvation, those are important things, new member class. But I'm, I am taking the step today. Some of you have waited and waited and waited. Listen, you're AWOL. Today's the day. You need it. We need it. Start the process today. Just come shake somebody's hand and say, starting the process today. And they'll be ready for you. So join. Secondly, join in. Be more engaged with the faith family. So being a part of the church, it's not just about having your name on a list. I mean, we got a big list of members. Most of those, we don't even know who they are, okay? That does them no good. You need to be in the church. You need to be in a small group. You need to be involved in women's ministry, men's ministry. We had such a great men's breakfast yesterday. You need to be in the church. Would you make a commitment today to get into the fabric of the church 
the fabric of the church. You know, I've got a great family, uh, my dad, my stepdad, uh, sisters, and uh, extended family. Uh, my wife has, has family. My family's spread out across uh, the country. Um, so listen, if I have a hardship today, if I have a crisis tomorrow, um, I'll call on my family. I have a good family. But you know who I will lean on? I'll lean on my faith family. I'll call Scott. I'll call Jeff. <laughs> He's my problem solver. Uh, I'll call Tom and Mark and I'll call Colby and I'll, that's my faith family. See, you need to join and then you need to join in. And then finally, you need to join up. Uh, you need to sign up to do something. You say, well, I don't know specifically exactly where God's called me in all of this. Well, just get started somewhere. You'll figure it out. Uh, you, you, you can't turn a stationary ship. So be at this ministry fair. Sign up for four things and uh, get in there. And uh, you, you may jettison one before the end of the year and pick another one. Let's join, join in, join up. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Let me pray. Father in heaven, may you be honored in this city because our church, the body of Christ, every person you've called to be here is faithful to the task. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.